Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now. And if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. Tom Brady, about to be a six-time champion, takes the snap, drops to the knee. And the Patriots have won their sixth Super Bowl title. In the early 2000s, they won three of four. Now they have won three of the last five. Yes, it's still a dynasty. That highlight courtesy of the Patriots Radio Network. It is Purple Daily here on the all-new Score North on 1500 and scorenorth.com. I'm Rami Makloff along with Judd Zolgad. We are also streaming live on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Twitch every weekday at noon. We made it real easy to find you on all those various outlets at Score North. That was the scene that played out at Super Bowl 53 yesterday. Judd, a thrilling, riveting 13 to 3 finish and the Patriots walk away with as you heard there their 6th Super Bowl in the Tom Brady Bill Belichick era. This isn't getting boring or annoying at all, is it, Judd? Is it getting boring and annoying or or can we stop and appreciate the fact that we are all going to be dead and gone and this won't this won't occur again? That's the one thing about this that's just remarkable. To have this run in, in an era of free agency in an era where this league has gone out of its way, and rightfully so, because I guess it's smart for parity, right? Like you have different Super Bowl contestants all the time, at least from the NFC. And for this Patriots dynasty to continue with, what, 18 years, nine appearances, six titles? So I can see if you're not a Bostonian being sick of this and PO'd, but if you're a sports fan, I think there's part of you that has to stop and be like, this is this is incredible. This would have been incredible in any era. And to be doing it in an era where the scales are basically set up to get different teams right. involved, for them to continue year after year after year is off the charts. The NFL has designed the system to prevent this very thing from happening. They've designed it for for teams for different teams every year to have a shot to win the Super Bowl or at least contend for a Super Bowl and here are the Patriots really defying all odds and defying the league in in more ways than one. And basically two guys, along right? The way. Right. Brady Belichick, and Belichick. Brady. Everybody else it's been sort of a rotating cast of characters. The the Belichick thing to me too. I mean, we saw it again on Sunday and yes, the game was boring. All right, let's just so you're, all start you're there. in agreement with it that. Was, let's well, st- but, but let's start there. But uh, but okay, 
It was boring, but here, as I heard, as I saw the youngsters, like our own Danny, tweeting out, this is the worst Super Bowl of all time, I can't believe how bad. I caution you youngsters. You don't mind how you sound saying, you youngsters? Oh, I'm an old guy. Okay, I'm almost 50. I don't care. I don't care. I'm old. Get off my lawn. But here's why, Rami. Here's why. Here's the cautionary tale. All right. It was not. Now, now game plan wise, it was a phenomenal game. Belichick basically looked at McVay and said, really? That personnel, huh? Different groupings, huh? I'm going to beat you. But. If people said, that game was awful, I can't believe I had to sit there and watch that game. I'm going to read you some scores. And I'm going to start off with scores of Super Bowls in the mid-80s, okay? Okay. (laughs) Approximately the time that Judd Zolgad is 14 years of age. When Judd would, when, when youngster Judd, long before Danny was born, would sit down to watch Super Bowls, oh my God, it's the Super Bowl, it's going to be great. I'm just going to read you scores. I'm not even going to bother with teams. Starting in 84 in Tampa, Florida, 38-9. Raiders over Washington? 38-16. I'm just going down, down the list, okay? But I'm just being a nerd right now, just by... Oh, oh. <laughs> um, yes, yes. Trying to stay one step ahead. 38-16. Niners over Dolphins? Yep. 46-10. That was uh, Bears over Patriots. And that was awful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it depends who you are. 39... Yeah, Rami, be quiet. <laughs> be quiet. You got one, we don't. Be quiet. Giants over Broncos. Very good. 42 to 10. That was the uh, Washington over Denver. Now, now 89, we get a respite. I believe in the game uh, played in Joe Robbie Stadium, which still exists now under like its 16th name. Mm -hmm. I believe this is the game that Montana looked up in the stands, saw John John Candy, Candy, and in the huddle said, hey, that's John Candy. That's amazing. That was a great game. 2016. Niners over Bengals. Yes. But then I resume... 1990, we get 55 to 10. Niners over Broncos. And 93, I'll fast forward by a couple of years, we get uh, 52 17. Uh, Bills fall to the Cowboys. That is bad football. Okay. Manny, that is amazing. Yes. <laughs> Hold on this was second. all off the top of my head, too. I'm not Manny, looking at is, any screens. Swear to God. That is ridiculous. I, yeah. and I know. It's an encyclopedia. You love what you do for oh, a living, yes, and you're I really do. good at it, but you're wasted here. No, I know. <laughs> okay. Your talents. Game shows? Your talents are completely I, I, wasted here, man. Swear to God, I know the results of all 53 Super Bowls, the score, the winner, and the loser. You and could the be, locations of most of them. I should just doing, ask you for the scores then. He could be doing something way more productive and lucrative with that brain. Power. I that don't know. Is... Pr- I don't know about productive, lucrative for sure. <laughs> you could be winning a lot of bar bets. You could be winning a ton of bar bets right now. <laughs> I but mean, there, there's got to be something he could be doing to better society with that kind of brain power, don't you think? Oh, I bet it doesn't transfer. I bet it's it sports. doesn't transfer. Yeah, no, no, no. It's strictly the Super Bowl. Well, I mean, that's okay. the thing doesn't about transfer much. It. All right, it's it's okay. probably it's, it's probably sports. I stand corrected. But after sports, you ain't helping I, anybody no. out, and I don't blame you one bit. I stand nope. corrected. But, but those those scores. That's bad football games. At least in this case, it was a boring game, but at least in this case, the fourth quarter came, and I still had to watch it. I just read a bunch of scores where, by the fourth quarter, nobody, including the people that you, played in the game, gave Judd, a damn. Judd, you didn't even include 49-26, the 49ers blowing out the Chargers at then, I think it was still Joe Robbie. I Stadium. do remember yeah, that Yeah, that's game. two years yeah. after the last game I gave yeah. you. But those, but we, and then we finally got a run, and we've had... An extended run, for the most part, of good games. But that's why people like Danny looked at that game on Sunday and said, this is putrid, it's awful, because it wasn't. And 
My other question about that game is this, gents. Answer me this. And I realize it was boring, but saying that, how much was that game also all about the letdown of expectation? And and in the Twitter age now, mm-hmm. we want offense. Like in this age, our, our attention span screams for score another touchdown, score another. So let's say that game's played in, let's pick a year, 83. Mm-hmm. Is that game yesterday perceived as being as bad as it was on Sunday? Because I do think we all thought to ourselves, oh my gosh, this is going to be 30, you know, coming off last year, right? It's going to be 35, 32, 41, 35. And so I wonder, was it as bad as we think it was, or were we let down because the expectation was in the year of offense where a record number of points were scored, we didn't get the the expected or desired result? Did you hear the way you worded that sentence a moment ago? In the fourth quarter, I still had to watch it. Not not I wanted to watch yeah. it. Not it was a good game. I was captured by it. I was I was glued to my TV. I had to watch it. Because mm-hmm. it was it was still close and I've already invested this much time. I already I might as well see how it ends. You be, it, you described it the way you described finishing a bad movie. You know what I mean? Like I sat through the first 2 hours okay. of this movie. All right. There's a half hour left. I might as well see who the killer is. But in you the, know what I mean? But in the case of Point Break, I got halfway through and said this is crap, and then 75% of the way through Point Break, I said, "You know what? This is such crap. It's brilliant." I don't I don't I don't mind. Keanu, go Keanu. <laughs> Go Utah! You're rooting for Agent, Agent Utah. I was, go Utah. I was, I was I was I was backing Patrick Swayze's character in that. I don't remember. Oh, you know what? I don't blame you one bit. <laughs> he was great too. They were all great. I don't mind a good low scoring defensive battle, but thirteen to three is excessively low scoring and defensive. And on top of that, in in a good defensive battle. There are big defensive plays that stand out, like a sack at a crucial moment, a, a turnover, like somebody making a spectacular catch on an interception near the sidelines or something like that. Yesterday, there was just, A, way too little scoring, even for a good defensive battle, way too little scoring, and B, I mean, there just weren't those moments. There weren't those moments that made you sit up on the couch and 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 express some kind of emotion, whether it's good, bad, or whatever. There there just weren't moments in that game that that pop out or stand out to me. Do you, I mean, are there any moments in that game where today you're going, man? Remember that play? Remember that play? I I don't I don't have any. The only reason why I would remember anything from that game is just because it was last night. Right. But I don't think a year or two from now I'm going to remember much of anything from this game other than it just being bad. <laughs> just not being a very good game. And it was funny because last night we were doing the watch-along, me and Danny and, and Ross and By the way, and was that the theme of the watch-along? Was it just Danny pissing and moaning the whole time that the game was boring? <laughs> it was pretty oh, much we started talking we were all, all four of us were kind of... <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, he was. Um... But it was interesting because we were kind of, even though Danny claims that he wasn't joking, the rest of us, we were kind of joking that, is Johnny Hecker going to win the MVP of this game? The punter? Right. For for the Los Angeles Rams. Because he won, actually had a very good game punting yeah. the football. Had they won, you could make a case for Johnny Hecker. That's how yeah. bad a game it was. Now, now the one, the one thing I do appreciate, though, and the one thing, not, not caring about which team won that was fun to watch, was McVay completely get schooled. Yeah. yeah. McVay, McVay had... Listen, you give Belichick two weeks, this is going... Now, I'm not saying it's always going to happen, but this is going to say, happen because he had two weeks to prepare occasion. for Nick Foles last year. Well, well, how do you feel now if you're Detroit? 
You hired Matt Patricia, who got schooled by the Eagles in the Super Bowl a year ago. And got by schooled the way, by Nick Foles. And by the way, everything, and and I know that the Dolphins are going to bring in the new coordinator or the guy that took over for Patricia with the Patriots, what, Brian Flores, is that correct? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And today they're going to introduce Brian Flores, you know, our new head coach, Brian Flores, and people are going to be like, whoa, that game plan, wow. Is, I got news for you, Dolphins fans and, and media. Brian Flores had as much to do with that as I did. It's Belichick. It's all Belichick. Everything about the Patriots, good or bad, is two people: Belichick and Brady. Right. Right. But that so that was interesting to me though to watch McVeigh because we talked all year long about you know he uses the same personnel groupings but but he changes or the personnel packages but he changes the groupings and so and people just can't stop him. Well, Belichick said, "I can, I can stop him." But yes, the game was. I give you the Rams drive chart, gentlemen. <laughs> I'll sing it. Punt, 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 field goal, punt, interception, missed field goal, game over. That's the drive chart. That's Judge Zolgat's interpretation of a drive chart. That was beautiful. Thank you. That was uh, brought a tear to my eye. Too much punting. It was not not the worst Super Bowl of all time, though. No. No, not of all time. I mean, It was not. And I saw a couple people say that last night, like on Twitter and social media and stuff like that. It's like, just... And I wasn't even alive for it, but Super Bowl five, I was telling you guys earlier in the prep room today, Chad, Super Bowl five might have been the worst Super Bowl of all time. There were 11 turnovers Oof. in that game. Oof. The Colts turned the ball over seven times and won. Yeah, 16 to 13 and a barn burner of that one. 29 points, though. And it's the only Super Bowl where the MVP was on the losing team. I think the worst three that I saw were, uh, apologies to you, but mm-hmm. Bears-Patriots. Forty-six to ten is beauty is within the awful. eye of the and beholder, that, man. And that that AFC Patriots team was absolutely terrible. San Francisco fifty-five to ten over the Broncos was absolutely putrid. Mm-hmm. And then the one that that you said in ninety-three, Manny Dallas fifty-two, Buffalo seventeen. Those are because there's no there's absolutely no reason to continue unless you you love a team, and of course you did. But there's no reason to continue to watch those games. At uh, least this one, as I said, I felt I compelled to watch it because I didn't know who was going to win. You were asking how Detroit and Detroit fans feel right now. First of all, I wouldn't even watch the Super Bowl if I'm a Detroit Lions fan because <laughs> that's how that's how disheartened I am right now with my franchise and that season. But Vince tweets at Jay Zolget, at Manny Hill 84 and at Rami is tweeting. I believe the Lions beat the Patriots this year. I'm sure that makes them feel a whole lot better, Vince. I'm sure they, they're they going to have a parade on Tuesday, just like the Patriots are, because they beat the Patriots this year. Matt Patricia will be at the head. He'll be on the lead float for the Lions beat the Patriots parade this Tuesday through downtown Detroit. And as a reward for beating the Patriots, Matt Patricia made his guys practice in the snow. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That guy, man. You gave up. You gave up forty-one points in a Super Bowl with a Belichick defense. You got a job the next day, and now you're head coach of Detroit. And by the way, the Patriots just came back and played great defense to beat the Rams. So, do you think that Belichick took complete control of the defense when Patricia left? That he was giving Patricia some some power, some leeway to do his thing. I don't know. Patricia leaves. Belichick takes takes the reins back, and and this is what happens when he has two weeks to plan. It's why I would never hire a Belichick assistant. I have no idea what they do exactly, but I know that they're not in charge. Wade Phillips, right? Mm-hmm. Rams DC is in charge. McVay coaches offense. Phillips coaches defense. 
And and now I don't think that Wade is a great head coach in this league, but at least I know he's in charge there. I have no idea what Patriot assistants do. <laughs> like, I think they're involved, <laughs> and I think they watch film, and I think they have probably very nice suggestions. But offensively and defensively, I think Bill Bill controls everything. What was it a few years ago um, that gave us a behind the scenes look at the Patriots? They didn't. They didn't do the uh, the HBO show. What's the HBO NFL show? Life uh, with, with Belichick? That's right. That's what it was. And it NFL was, Network. It was phenomenal. And okay. it was fascinating to see because Belichick is this defensive genius, and and that's that's where that's where he earned his stripes and and climbed the ranks of, of NFL coaching. But he sits down and gets in depth about the offensive game plan with Tom Brady like once a week, mm-hmm. every week. That's how involved, like you said, Judd, most guys are either offensive or defensive guys, and they sort of hand the reins of the other side of the ball over to their their respective coordinator. You said McVay, Wade Phillips. That's how most franchises operate. Bill Belichick somehow, some way, seems to have a hand in everything, including personnel. He's helping construct the roster. He's Absolutely. almost he's almost a GM of the New England Patriots on some level. I mean, he seems to ha- be able to have a hand in everything. And to be able to do that for as long as he has done it, being an NFL head coach is exhausting, man. Like, even if you just do it in the traditional way that we're talking about, where you handle one side of the ball and hand the other side off to somebody else, being an NFL coach in that sense is exhausting. For Bill Belichick to have his hand in as many pots as he has his hand in and to do it for as long as he has and as successfully as he has, it seems borderline impossible. It's why his blueprint can't be copied. Because you don't know. You don't get it, and you won't. He's got, there is, to have done this for 18 years, and you're right, he's got, game plan-wise, he's in everything. He is the personnel guy. And if you think about that, and you think about the amount of guys in those 18 years who have tried to be like, I can do this. And listen, Parcells was his mentor, and Parcells did a lot, but nobody, including Bill Parcells, has approached what Bill has done. In terms of the level of success. Yes, and and in terms of what are you doing, I can't tell. Like, you don't know. There should have come a time when teams trying to hire Belichick guys just stopped. And we're like, okay, okay, we give. We don't know what you're doing. You've got a secret sauce that exists with the Patriots, but we can't copy it. It's that simple. And you would think, too, with... All of the coaches, all the Belichick assistants that have departed the Patriots over the years, and how you, you see how their New England's train just continues to go. They just keep going. Even, you know, the Weiss and, you know, Cornell and Bill O'Brien and McDaniels and all these guys, they all got jobs other places. And the Patriots never lost a beat. Mm-mm. They just kept going. And that tells you more than anything that it's, it, this is Belichick's deal. Their, this whole thing is Belichick's deal. Their offense is very intriguing because of this. They're the only team I know, and they've been doing this for years, that have offensively, they call it a game plan offensive system. They've never gone West Coast. They've never they've never come out and said, these are our principles. They basically go week to week and say, what don't you do well? Same thing with the defense. We'll game plan that. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, so I saw a stat on Twitter last night from a stats person that said the Patriots, I believe, played man, not exclusively, but a ton. Until Sunday, when they said 
The Rams thrive against man. Guess what we're going to do? Switch to zone. And I think the stat I saw was they played 40% zone in that game. Completely changed it. Completely. You tell me how many coaches in this league now, and these guys work hard and a lot of them are very smart, but you tell me, National Football League, including Zim, how many coaches can take both sides of the ball and in a basically two weeks morph it completely? Morph it. And you're different. Eureka. And now Brady helps. But guess what? Brady wasn't great. Brady was not fantastic. Brady was, was again, just like he did against the Chiefs. When he had to be, he was good or good enough. But Tom Brady was not, oh, my God, they've got Brady, and that's why they, they won. That defense won them that game against the Rams. But, again, it all comes back to having a coach who can essentially take his system and say, all right, we're throwing all of these things out. And in this one game against this team, which, by the way, has thrived, we're going to change things. By the way, our guy Vince, who before was saying, I believe the Lions beat the Patriots this year, now has forwarded me a link to an article of Bill Belichick saying the Lions showed him how to stop the Rams and win the Super Bowl. So really, Matt Patricia and the Lions are the real MVP here. Is, is what Vince is oh, trying that's to tell hilarious. Somebody should have shown Matt Patricia how to stop Nick Foles in the Super Bowl last year. <laughs> that, is, that is Bill trying to save a guy's job because Matt Patricia should have been one and done with that collection. <laughs> and going back to your question that you had almost to open the show, which is, is it boring? These Patriots and, and, and annoying them constantly winning Super Bowls. Um, I don't want to hate on greatness, but right now across my timeline on Twitter, Tom Brady and Julian Edelman lightsaber fighting at Disney World just popped up. And I'm sorry, but this is this is so cute. It's annoying. All right. <laughs> Are they at Disney World already? This is too much. Yes. Tom Brady. They've got to get home. And the, the Edelman, when? All right. I think it's Tuesday. Tom Brady. Is it tomorrow? Tom Brady said in the post-game press conference when the parade was. That's how sure they were going to win. They had already <laughs> planned the parade and told Tom Brady when it was. Well, that's hilarious. He said it on the field, not even the press conference. He said it on the field during the whole trophy presentation. He said, I think we have a parade on Tuesday. You don't think. You know, dude. You guys aren't planning this. <laughs> You were, you were told last Wednesday, right, you already, when we win this game, we got the parade. You're right. <laughs> I'm sorry. This is too much. It's too cute. It's annoying. Tom Brady and Julian Edelman and all their success. I'm, I, I know I'm being a hater, and I'm okay with it right now. It's Purple Daily on Score North on 1500. ScoreNorth.com, and we're back right after this in the TCL Broadcast Studios. Hey, it's easy to listen to Score North on 1500 on your Amazon Alexa device. Just say, Alexa, open Score North, Judd. Awesome. Alexa, fire a coach. No, 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 no. It's Alexa, trade everybody. Judd, no, it's Alexa, open Score North. Alexa, more hockey. I want more hockey. Just say, Alexa, open Score North, and you can listen to Score North on 1500. Alexa, open Score North. Score North. Minnesota sports, anytime, anywhere. This is fantastic. Score North. Minnesota sports. Anytime, anywhere. Scorenorth.com. And this portion of Purple Daily is brought to you by Fratelloni's Ace Hardware and Garden Stores. Proud sponsor of the beer show. Heard Thursday nights right here on Score North. Purple Daily every weekday at noon here on Score North on 1500, scorenorth.com, and streaming live on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Judd's favorite outlet, Twitch. We made it real easy for you to follow us on all those outlets. It's at S K O R North. 
Judd spends a lot of his time gaming on Twitch. I'm a big Twitch guy. Big Twitch guy. Didn't know about Twitch till last week, but now that I do, I'm on Twitch all the time. Before that, you thought it was just a condition you had, right? Yeah, well, that's, yeah. Yeah, and I've had that for a while. Ordinarily fo- following lengthy stays at the bar. But it's, it's usually gone by, by the next day, so I'm fine with it after that. It is a thing, though, on the social media world that you can follow us on Twitch at SKOR North. It's a uh, Super Bowl 53 recap edition of Purple Daily, where we talk Vikings and NFL every weekday at noon. It was 13 to 3 Patriots over the Rams yesterday in Super Bowl 53, which most of you probably already know. And Judd, we know that this, this Vikings football team. Is is centered around Mike Zimmer and his defense, despite the addition of Kirk Cousins and some weapons on the offensive side of the football. The strength of the Vikings, as of right now, and and before the draft and before whatever they do in free agency, is the defense. Were you encouraged at all watching that game last night that a defensive football team could could win a Super Bowl? I actually think that game was more dangerous than helpful as far as being instructive. Because you could very easily could watch that game and say, yeah, yeah guess what? Defense still wins, it right? It can be done. Right. I, I tweeted that this is Zim's favorite Super Bowl of all time, including the one that he won as an assistant in Dallas probably because he probably watched that game and Mike thought to himself, yeah, you know what? This proves it. This proves that defense is still king. And while that can be the case occasionally, perhaps, as far as getting to a Super Bowl and as far as how this league is morphing, and as far as how the rules are set up right now, I don't think that you can take what happened between the Rams and Pats on Sunday and say this is now going back and the game is going to be defensive-oriented in 2019. Now, do I think that if, if coaches have enough time, there are certain offensive things that we saw in 2018 that are probably not going to be as successful in the coming season? Absolutely. Yes, these guys, I've... Always said this, Rami, these guys spend their entire off-season for the most part, aside from probably a week's vacation, cooped up watching film. And defensive guys basically look at Patrick Mahomes and say, I'm going to stop him. And somebody's going to slow him down. But this league is still very much geared towards one thing, and that's offensive success. So I don't think that you can watch the result of that game last night and say this proves that defense is still king. I think it proves that defense can still be successful at times for sure. Uh, but offensively, the Vikings can't afford to now take a deep breath and say, oh, we thought this was becoming an offensive league, and, and it's not. Because regular season-wise, and to be successful, you are still going to have to have an offense that is, I think, extremely efficient. See, I think, and it's the case in most NFL seasons, but it, is, it seemed especially the case this year in the NFL that when the season starts, offenses are ahead of defenses, and you have decent weather for, for, for offensive-style football through the first three months of the season. And combined with the change in the weather, plus the things that you talked about, which is defensive coaches living in film rooms and designing game plans to 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 challenge what these offenses have come up with during the offseason, you see the defenses start to catch up to the offenses as the season goes on. And I think this year, I don't think it's it, it, it had any real meaning, but I think the turning point in this year was that 54-51 game between the Rams and the Chiefs on Monday Night Football. That was where offense peaked this year, obviously, not just for this season, but in the NFL as a whole. That was the highest-scoring game in the history of the league. But then you saw after that, you saw scores 
drop and drop and drop and drop as the season went along, and then we ended up with a 13-3 to Super Bowl. I think on some level you need your offense to be hitting on all cylinders to start the season and, and give you that hot start and to keep up with the other offenses around the league and try and outscore teams. And as the season goes on, when you have a strong defense like the Vikings, yep. that plays to your favor because the game is going to slow down in the weather. And you would think, you would hope that Mike Zimmer and his defensive staff, and they've showed the ability to do it before, will catch up to these high-scoring offenses around the league. And then then you duke it out and battle it out in, in what is NFL football in late November, December, and hopefully into January and beyond. Pounding the football. Right. And there, there are things... There are things now that the Patriots did yesterday that, that are going to be instructive to slow teams like right. the, the Rams. I get that. But I just think that if we I think if you correct now too much and say, Oh, this offensive the the offensive age is done, that's a mistake. Because what makes this league so much fun is is the give and take, right? Because now now teams are gonna study what the Patriots did to the Rams. And vice versa, and so so adjustments on both sides over the coming months are going to be made. Uh, but I just I don't think that the Vikings can now say this proves that that this offensive explosion is going to slow down because ultimately, back to what you're saying is we're, we're going to start next year in September, and guess what? Teams are going to be flying again, and it's right. going to go back to and and in the Vikings' case, you have to reach the happy medium of success which means you've got to be good enough on both sides of the ball to simply make the playoffs. And once you do that, now now you can individually scheme and go back and say, oh, okay, in the playoffs, how can we stop this team or that team? But the most important thing, as, as the Vikings certainly learned in 2018, is getting there. And so I do think that that's an issue, is the Vikings have to understand that offensively, They've got to take a step forward, and that's going to include, I'm sure, incorporating a lot of what Kubiak's going to bring in 2019 for them. Was that Super Bowl in a a low-scoring affair encouraging to you as a Vikings fan, knowing that defense is the strength of your football team? You can get in on the conversation, 651-646-8255. You can tweet us, at Score North. David says, uh, no, if for no other reason than that, Zimmer gets outcoached in every big game that he has been in. Is that true, Judd? Manny, uh, this, put that encyclopedic memory of yours to, to good use. Has he been outcoached in every big game he's ever been in? It, it's a little disturbing because the Saints game, it took a, a yeah. miracle to win. Mm-hmm. The Eagles' an NFC title game totally was bad. Now, now I will I will say this. The Blair Walsh miss game, he was not. No, he wasn't. They had that playoff game won, and, and granted, that's a first-round wild-card game, but he was not outcoached in that game. His kicker screwed him, uh, but yeah, I would say if you if you are going to take the uh, 2017 playoffs as your sample size into this year, there were some disturbing things. That's probably accurate. Yeah, and I think there were. I mean, hell, we had questions going into 2018 after what happened in the NFC Championship game last year, and even that the second half of that Saints playoff game. There were six straight quarters of just bad defense from Mike Zimmer's defense. And so there was sort of a concern from, I think, us and maybe even fans, too, going into 2018. Like, okay, that was kind of the season. It was a fun season, but it ended poorly. 
How is how is this team going to bounce back? Now you got a quarterback, a new quarterback, and everything, but can they can they get over this hump now? And I think that's still I think that's still a fair question to ask. Here's another tweet. This one's from Bruce, who simply says, "You're grasping." <laughs> when we ask, it's an encouraging well, I to th- you. I thought of it during the game. I thought of it during the game. I just. I just think that the league, this league is bound and determined to go in the direction it was going for much of this past year, right? They're not going to come off that. They're not going to, they're not going to change rules back. Belichick and, and again, too, I urge this of everybody, those in Egan, those listening around the league, don't believe that you have the capability to take Sunday's game and use that as your blueprint. There's one team that can do it. It's the Patriots. So if you're the Vikings, you can't look at that game and say, Patriots did it, we can do it. No, you can't. There's nothing about the Patriots that the majority of teams, and I would say the rest of the teams in this league, have the ability to repeat. There's nothing about them. Understand that. 18 years, 9 Super Bowls, 6 titles. You don't get to do that. You can't repeat Sorry. that success, but you can pick things from their game plan that worked against the Rams and other teams who use concepts similar to what the Rams are doing, can't you? You can, but there's a very good chance that that they will work very short-term. They'll be then undone by somebody else, and here's what the Patriots do so well. By the, You copy them, okay? Mm-hmm. So you copy the Patriots, and it might work for two weeks. And then teams say, oh, Okay, if we adjust X, Y, and Z, we we can beat that. Meanwhile, the Patriots, in their wisdom, at important times too, so this is not September football, they don't care, but at important times, the Patriots have moved on. They're six steps ahead of what they did in that game that you're copying. That's why I just don't think there's anything from what they do that is truly repeatable for an extended period of time. They are that much smarter than you. So should it be not necessarily do, running the plays and running the quote-unquote system that the Patriots do, but just in some ways aspire to have the same sort of approach to games as they do in I don't terms think you can of do it. just... I think it's undoable. I and Because they are like, because like you've said, they are like a game, they're a game plan offense. Well, yes. they, they look at... Specific, a specific they don't have a, they, they don't have. have a set system. They don't. Right. An offense and they, or and they look at defense. who they're playing for that week and say, how can we expose that that team's defense and what sort of things can we do? But you need a but you need a Belichickian type to do that. Good sure. luck. And the other thing is, and I will say this because there's no other team in this league that has the guts or ability to do it. It's the starting point of what the Patriots in 2018 do or did. You go to Mike Zimmer today and you say, Mike, sit down. Sit down, shut up, and listen. And here's where we're going to start. Next year, September, you don't care. The preseason extends because that's how the Patriots treat it. The Patriots, look at this. What is the conversation in our business now every September? What's wrong in New England? They're, they're, this is coming undone. This year they got, they they're were not, what, one and two, and they got blown out by Blake Bortles in Jacksonville? They're not playing well. Something's wrong. Is yeah. it Brady and Belichick? Is it Belichick? Is somebody, what's wrong? They take September, they take the preseason and extend right. it by a month. So you so you tell you tell the Bears in your case, or in my case, the Vikings. I want you to go into next year now. I want you to look at your September calendar and treat that as uh come see, come saw. And if you're and if you win, great. And if you don't, you don't care. 
How many coaches would say, I can't do that? Every coach but Belichick. Belichick approaches an NFL season the way LeBron James approaches an NBA season. Yeah. I know I'm going to be there in the postseason. Yep. Let me see what works. Let me see who and what around me is going to help me win games. And then I'll flip the switch come the postseason. I'm going to set out 18 games because I'm tired and my ankle kind of hurts. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because I know that in the postseason, I can show up and take back home court advantage in one game. Yep. And that's the way that Bill Belichick looks at the postseason. He doesn't even care about home field advantage in the postseason. He really doesn't. He knows that if he has his team hitting on all the right cylinders come December and January, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter where they play the football game. A lot of a lot of NFL head coaches are so obsessive about the week-to-week and having their team at peak performance week one through week 17. Bill Belichick looks at it as a process of getting his team running at peak performance come playoff time. That's all he cares about. And he's so he's going to tweak it here. He's going to tweak it there. As as the season ramps up, all he cares about is having his team ready for playoff football at the end of the season. They might not look the way he wants them to look week one, week six, week eight. But come the postseason, Bill Belichick's going to have his team running at an optimal level. And I wonder if that maybe goes back to the year that they lost the Giant to the Giants the first time, because that was the year they went they went sixteen and zero. Yep. And they were they were had the pedal to the metal all season long from start to finish. And I remember they got to the playoffs and they did not play well in the first those first two playoff games before the Super Bowl. They did not play very well at all. They won those games, obviously, but they did not look like the team that ran the table in the regular season, and then it got them beat in the Super Bowl. I'm going to give you guys a perfect example of of the difference between the Vikings and Patriots in a nutshell. It's absolutely perfect. The Vikings in September of this year. So so the four games I'm talking about saying we just don't care that much. If we win, great, but if we don't, no big deal. They were one win, Two defeats, a tie. Week three was the Buffalo loss. The Buffalo loss colored this team season completely. I don't care what anybody tells me. That yep. Buffalo loss, it was an awful loss. They played like horse bleep. They were terrible. In the Patriots world, you lose that game. By now, you've forgotten about it. Mm-hmm. Like, you you legitimately don't talk about it. Nobody gives a damn. You lost to Buffalo. How did you lose to Buffalo? How'd you look that bad? Patriots would be like, whatever. Well, they had that in Jacksonville. They went to Jacksonville and Blake Bortles kicked their butts. But the point is, in the Vikings case, that Buffalo loss Mm -hmm. colored the rest of their season. And I'm not talking in this studio. I'm not talking in this town. I'm talking in Egan. It colored their season. It affected the rest of their year. It somehow got into their heads. And... That's where I'm saying that the vast majority, and I think it's everybody but the Patriots, they aren't wired where they can look at that game and say, whatever. Have you okay. guys have you guys ever uh, blocked words? You know how you can pick words and block them on Twitter? Like, mute, muting words? Right, mute words. That's, sure. that's yeah, what yeah. I'm looking for. Yep. Have you guys ever done that? Have oh, you yeah. Guys, you have? Okay. Oh, yes. I never have, but I think today I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to mute Brady, <laughs> Edelman, and Disney World. Because right now, <laughs> so I use TweetDeck during the show when I'm broadcasting live so that I can see the uh, the Score North timeline and so I can see my own personal timeline. Right now, between those two timelines, I'm looking at three tweets that read as follows. All capital letters, best bromance ever with a picture of Tom Brady and Julian Edelman enjoying Disney World. One with a picture looking over their shoulders... <laughs> 
that says they are now taking Candids with the Disney castle in the background. Early favorites for Cutest Couple 2019. And then a Sports Illustrated tweet that reads, Brady and Edelman are having a blast, all capital letters, at Disney World. Enough. How, I've had enough. How many teammates in, in the past 18 years has Brady cheated on? <laughs> this Edelman thing, if that if that Rachel gal thinks that she, she got a raw deal from Tom, she's got, Rachel Moynihan has nothing on the amount of, what, Wes Welker, right? Wasn't it Tom and Wes Welker, best friend? How many how many bromances has this guy had? If Edelman Gronk thinks, too. yeah. So if if Julie yeah. if Julian thinks he's truly special, I got news no, for you, he's Julian. His little brother, yeah, I got he's news for brother, you. Judd. You're gonna be you're gonna be thrown to the curb in two years when this guy's trying to play at 45. He shouldn't be, but he'll but he will be <laughs> when this guy's trying to play at 43 or 45. Julian Edelman's gonna be out with the garbage. I hope he doesn't expect to be treated special. Is for that long. petty of me if I mute those words? Because how do you mute words? Oh, if you go. Uh... Let's see here. I don't even if know you, how, but I'm not a tweet Go to your notifications uh-huh. and go it's to like in like settings and privacy. Go to settings, right? yeah, and then you can uh, pick which which words you want to mute there in in the settings. So you're tweeting. I'm sorry, Brady Edelman, and what else? <laughs> Disney World. Disney World. Yeah, enough, enough already. It's way it's way too cute, and enough of those two guys. I don't know if I'm being petty. I don't know if I'm being a hater. But I'm going to keep doing it when it comes to Edelman and Brady when Purple Daily returns right after this on Score North on 1500, Score North Live, and streaming live on YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch. Let your North flag fly. Score North. Minnesota sports. Anytime, anywhere. ScoreNorth.com. You can't say anything but uh, love this football team, love the way they continue to compete. Um, You know, I didn't feel like I did nearly enough to put us in a position to win tonight, and that's where (laughs) you just feel sick to your stomach. Uh, You know, congratulations to Coach Belichick and the Patriots. Um, They did a great job. Uh, I definitely, you know, didn't do good enough for this team. I thought they gave us, I thought our players gave us a chance, but, um, you know, something that I got to learn from, it's going to sting for a long time. All right, Purple Daily on the new uh, Score North, scorenorth.com. We're in the TCL Broadcast Studio. Zolgad, Rami, and Manny. Uh, gentlemen, I got something that's bothering me a lot, and I think the Los Angeles Rams should be subject to investigation and a massive fine. Okay. This Todd Gurley thing really bothers me. Because the injury report, and I get it, it's a wink-wink thing sometimes. So I completely get that it's fudged and fidgeted with and played with. But I checked yesterday. Todd Gurley... was not on the injury report all Super Bowl week. He's hurt. He's clearly hurt. He was hurt in the title game. He was hurt in this game. They talked on CBS openly about his knee problem, which goes back to when he tore his ACL in college at Georgia. And then week 15, and then week Exactly. So Todd Gurley is hurt. All right. Todd Gurley uh, was barely used against the Saints and then was expected to be used a lot but was not on Sunday because he's hurt. The NFL, the injury report exists for perception's sake, right? Because if I'm going to bet on a game, and God knows when it comes to Super Bowl, there's a lot of cash bet on that game, I am supposed to have an idea about how your team might be impacted by guys not playing. I'm supposed to know that Because if I don't, and let's say the Rams have three people that do, and by the way, they know exactly, they they can recite, if they choose to, chapter and verse on what's wrong with Gurley, then I at least need to have a fair knowledge, if I'm going to place a bet on that game, about what people internally with the Rams know. By doing what they did to me, 
They circumvented the entire system and the problem. And I understand they're going to say, well, we didn't want the Patriots to know. But that being said, if the Patriots want to find out, they can. And furthermore, it's a major problem because now I'm questioning. All right. So I wonder who from the Rams knew what to tell somebody else to place a big bet. Like everybody, we had all talked all week long about Gurley's expected to play in this game. McVay came out and said he's expected to play a big role. And then he basically doesn't play. That's a major problem here. That's a, if, and I hope the league does not. Oh, it's no big deal. It is a big deal. Maybe I'm naive, but I, I, after the AFC or excuse me NFC Championship game, I was with you, Judd. I was assuming, and I don't know about you, Manny. There's got to be something wrong with him, and it, and it's probably that knee that he had the ACL injury on, and then mm-hmm. aggravated it in in week 15. But leading up to the Super Bowl, I was going, all right. There's two weeks for him to get healthy. If it was something that he couldn't get right or at least close to right in two weeks, then he probably wouldn't even be playing in this game and probably wouldn't have played in the NFC Championship game. If it was something that bad, that two weeks off didn't didn't spell whatever the, the injury was, then he probably wouldn't have played in that NFC Championship game and probably wouldn't play in the Super Bowl. It, it would have to be a really bad injury for that to happen. For him to play in that game and then only get 10 carries, 35 yards, and then afterwards he and his head coach come out and say, yeah, no, the knee is fine, nothing wrong with Todd Gurley, it was just how we how we decided to, to go with it. On some level, I kind of believe him, because after a loss like that, I'm looking for any excuse I can find if I'm Todd Gurley and Sean McVay. I'm going, yeah, it was the knee. You know, we were trying to hide it for a competitive edge or whatever the case might be, but the knee has really been a problem the last few weeks. For them to go both go up to that podium and 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 say, yeah, no, the knee is good, and and that was just a game plan and and the usage that we decided to go with with Todd Gurley, I kind of buy it, and I'm wondering if Todd Gurley somehow, some way, put himself in Sean McVay's doghouse over the course of the postseason, whether it was something that happened in practice, whether there's a story we're going to hear about in a few months coming out of Los Angeles about something that happened between Todd Gurley and a teammate or Todd Gurley and a coach. I'm wondering if Todd Gurley really did something to put himself in the doghouse of Sean McVay and that Rams coaching staff. Because he played a fair amount. In the divisional game against the Cowboys, Gurley, I think he carried the ball 16, 17 times Mm -hmm. in that game. They are lying. They are lying. They can't go up there and say that. If they, if they, if McVay goes up there and says for competitive purposes, his knee's a mess, but we didn't list it, they are automatically in trouble. No, they are forcing the league to investigate. And unless he was incarcerated, he's going to play. He's hurt. They're lying. They deserve to be in trouble. They, they tried to, they, they got cute, and in hockey, and this drives me crazy, you can do this. And then you your series gets done or your game gets done, and you're like, yeah, he was playing with the tarn ACL. How, what'd you think? But in this sport, you are subject to a fine, and this team should be investigated and fined because it's ridiculous. Because the storyline, and you're, you're right, Rami, all week long, the storyline was what? He didn't play much in the... Uh, NFC Championship championship game, but he's going to play in this game, and he's going to play a lot, and he's going to play a key role. And then it clearly was barking or was a problem still. 
but it really bothers me because it completely flies in the face of what teams are supposed in to do. In the pregame show, I forget who it was that reported. It might have been Tracy Wilson, who, by the way, almost got killed in the postgame. Um, yeah, can I, we talk about that in a second? <laughs> yeah, that was insanity. I, I would have freaked out. I know, me too. I, I would have been like, I know. Tom, I'll see you later. I, I would have gotten get... the hell out of there. I'm with you. But it, in the pregame, she said, if I, and I hope I'm, 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 I'm citing the right person, she said that she talked to somebody who was well-connected in the Rams organization, who said that Todd Gurley's, Todd Gurley's role in the game plan that Sean McVay drew up was so so big and so important yes, I heard that this. if they won the game, he would be MVP. Yep. And yet, 10 carries for 35 yards. Because, he, because it was still a problem, his knee, I'm sure, and they're lying to you. Because it's not like the Rams. It's not like the Rams fell behind by three touchdowns. No. And, oh well, they they couldn't run the ball anymore because they were down by so big. I mean, this was a three nothing game. So at you think time. that nugget also was put out there to throw people off the scent of oh, Todd Gurley and the knee? I th- I think that they were hoping that in the two weeks between the Saints game and the Patriots game that the knee would heal or at least feel good enough for him to play a substantial role, and it didn't. But they can't get away with not putting him on that report with a knee. They can't. They shouldn't. They should be fined a lot. It's it's open season now. If I'm a coach next year, and and if McVeigh skates on this, if I am Zim next year, guess what? I'm not listing my guys. Well, you know Zim would take would take full advantage yeah, of that because he doesn't I mean, like but, talking about injuries anyway. Yeah, but I mean, if if this, if this is now going to be just sort of winked at and, oh, that's okay. And I understand the injury report for a long time has been played with in certain ways, but at least you're supposed to be listed. And Super Bowl week for this game with the amount of cash that flows in on this game to take a superstar player and just sort of forget about it? That pushes it way too far for me. I don't know what to make of it, honestly, because you you provide a strong case. I think they were just hoping. I think that they were trying to throw the Patriots off the scent, but that but that's not the reason. The reason for the report is for gambling purposes, and there are you know billions of dollars gambled on this particular game and on the sport. And a lot of people who were expecting Todd yes. Gurley to play and, yesterday may and, have lost some credit. And I'm point. sorry, but if I work for the league, my worst case thought is who from the Rams knew what and told somebody to place a bet for them. But nobody, nobody toys with the injury report like Bill Belichick and the Patriots do. So I, I, I don't, I don't blame Sean McVay for trying to get some kind of competitive edge there. Yeah, the, the Patriots though. So, so the Patriots deal was they a few years back. They cheated on it and got caught, and then I think Belichick put 20 guys on the next week. Brady was on it for like six years straight. Yeah, and that's what they do is they over-report. Yeah. But I'd rather have you do that. Matthew Collar is going to join us for Hour 2. That's right, two hours of Purple Daily today on Score North and 1500scorenorth.com. It's going to get real football-y with Matthew Collar right after this on Purple Daily.